What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not About Wrestling. I'm Chris Luminati. I'm Stephanie Bowen, and I love how Chris Luminati changes up his intro every single time. <laughs> I want to just kind of freshen it up. I don't want people to hear the same thing every time, especially because I kind of do the same thing for both podcasts. Oh, yeah. And usually when I get to the name of the podcast, I forget which one I'm supposed to say. <laughs> and then I look at who I'm co-hosting with and then I remember, oh, that's what I say. At least you have us as co-hosts so that you can tell that. If you were doing it by yourself still, you would have no idea. I wouldn't be doing the intros. I would just be talking about the person and then going to the interview. Yeah, which is why you brought people on. And to talk about wrestling and uh, and and or running. Yeah. Depending on what episode I... Um, Let's talk about something real quick before uh, we jump into this episode. We're, we're talking to Evan Husney, who is the creator, co-creator of Dark Side of the Ring. And after talking to him, uh, I was already jacked for this season. But some of the stuff he was dropping, I was just like, I can't wait. I know. I want to watch it right now. Yeah. Um, which which we did talk about. Like you said, the Pillman episode is already out. And when people hear this, it'll be Monday. But even though the show drops this Thursday on Vice, people can watch it online. Yeah, it's on Vice's website and it's on their YouTube page. So it's part one of the Brian Pillman episode, which is going to be a two-part episode, one after the other on Thursday. I, we, we didn't talk to Evan about that. Why is it two parts on the same night? Why wouldn't it be one big, long episode? Uh, so probably so they can drop that early sneak peek and it not be weird. Good point. Do you, you, I know you watched the sneak peek for this show. If it was a different show, would you watch a sneak peek like that? Um, or would you wait? Yeah. Would you wait? Yeah, no, I would watch it because people would already be talking about it and I want to know what's going on. They'd already had like 200,000 some views on it. Did you, uh, did you watch the, uh, the Undertaker last ride series? The docuseries. No. Okay. No, I did not. Before that came out, they did this like 10 minute trailer that they released online before the, the debut on that Sunday. That I get. Like the first 10 minutes of a show, 15 minutes of a show, I get. But now I get, actually, no, now that I think about it, I guess if they're dropping the first half of the show and you watch it, you're going to want to see the second half. Yeah. And where it cut is a very good part to cut at. It definitely leaves it as a cliffhanger. So you want to watch the second part, especially for the people that don't know the story and want to see what happens. Now that you've watched uh, the first part of that show and you, I mean, you were familiar with who Brian Pillman was a little bit, but now that you know the backstory of him, does it make flying Brian Jr. even more fascinating? Yes. Because he looks exactly like his father. Yes. Like a creepy, exactly like his father. Yeah. He showed up um, in some of the interviews in part one. Mm -hmm. So, and definitely seeing that against pictures of his dad was just like, oh, wow. Yeah. I loved Flying Brian as a kid. Like I, as people can see, I've got the stunning Steve Austin, but him and the, the Hollywood Blondes were like one of my favorite taxis as a kid and they weren't even like good guys. And I, mm -hmm. I love them. So the Pillman thing, like I always liked Pillman. I didn't care if he was good or bad or what the hell he was like. I, well, cause Pillman was kind of the precursor to what we see today. Like that Brian Pillman could have been an AEW right now. 
and you would oh, not, you oh, would yeah. fit right in. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The stories that they were telling leading up to where they stopped were just incredible on how his persona was developed mm-hmm. and how you it really blurred the lines of, is, is this real? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what? Are we being worked? Did So speaking of that, did they touch on the whole Booker Man thing? Was that yes. mentioned in the first? Okay. That's so, right. the first so, part. so you're right there. You're like, is this like that uh, on your watching TV? Like, was that real? Yeah. And the termination letter they yes. talked about, which is insane. And they have Bischoff on there talking about it. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. That was kind of right at the end of of part one, which again is available for anyone to watch. Yeah, I'm not I usually. And it's yeah, it's good. I'm not usually that guy, and I might be that guy. Like I'm not usually. I usually wait. I might not wait. Like, yeah, no. I, I need you to be that guy so we can talk about it. <laughs> Well, we get okay. All right. I'm not doing anything tonight. I'll go watch it later. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say before we got into all that was you were nice enough to get me the Funko Pops, the um, Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Rock and the Ring. Yeah, they're, they're right. Actually, behind Steph, if you're watching, you were nice enough to get me. Uh, my eight-year-old daughter has not stopped playing with them. <laughs> she drew Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's now hanging on my fridge. Oh, my goodness. She, she tries to get the cat to play with them. Uh, she's yet to take the ring down, but she'll play with both figures, um, with her regular other like toys and stuff. It's yeah, you fascinating call- what kids will play with. I called that she would go. What you, the hell is that? Yeah, you called it out. You knew this, and you did say within like three seconds of her walking in the door, she would be like, oh, "What is that?" And mm-hmm. then I got the text message <laughs> the day she was home, and you're like, "Yep." It happened. She did it. It's also, she also does it with an over-exaggeratedness, like a 1980s sitcom where it's like the kids break the wall and then they fix the wall. And there's like one little speck of the wall broken. They're like, mom will never see that. And then mom walks in. She's like, what is that? Like, it's exactly how she is. Like she'll see (laughs) something and you're like, she won't spot that for a while. And she's like, what are those? Like very (laughs) Scooby-Doo over-exaggerated. Like I'm exactly like exactly what that sounded like. Rather, what are those Shaggy? Are those Funko Pops? Oh, <laughs> my daughter yeah. is a sitcom dog. <laughs> she is Scooby Doo. <laughs> she is. You want to know what she asked me? Uh, I'll probably I'll probably turn this into one of the notes or something like that, or I'll mention it on the parenting account. But she asked me in the car yesterday. She goes, um, she asked me where my ex wife and I got married, and I was like, it's some restaurant down the shore like you wouldn't even know it if i said it and she goes oh uh well did they give you half your money back when you got divorced (laughs) and that's brilliant to me that a kid would think that (gasps) and so sweet like i needed half them we need to have the money back i mean it would have been awesome if we got half the money back my parents like, would have loved getting half the money back for yeah. mine. I was like, well, Lila, it had been like nine years. So kind of, it's not like it just happened a week later. But yeah, she was like, so. how it works. If only. <laughs> yeah, so intense. Can you imagine if you just went back to everybody like, can we get our money back? We got divorced. <laughs> All these uh, wedding venues would be out of business. I will say, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I will. I will say this though. It wasn't a wedding venue, but one time I went to a wedding and within two or three months, the couple was separated. And I was like, I kind of want my money back. 
You're like, can I have the money I gave you or that yeah. present back? Like, is that it was money? And I'm like, is that going towards your divorce? Like, I could kind of use that money back because you got married and two months later you're separated, which makes me say you probably shouldn't have gotten married. Like, there was had to have been something in the works. <laughs> I'll like, tell you what it during tell, that wedding. I'll tell you what it was. You want to know what it was? Oh gosh, what? the the worst best man speech I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh, no, where the bed best man literally like did a laundry list of all the women he banged. <gasps> the groom banged. No, he's kind of like, and then remember Stella, and then like would tell a five second story about Stella, and then remember that because when he got when this guy got married, he was in his late I want to say late forties, and the girl he was marrying was like mid twenties. Oh, and so he God. and he was never married before that. And so like his best friend gave, it was like literally the worst best man speech I've ever heard. Gosh, you hear heard, stories about those, but I have never been in attendance for one of those. Mm. Gosh, I just can't imagine the look on everyone's faces. Just like, oh God, someone take the mic away from him. I didn't get to see most of the faces because I was like, the tables were set up. So I was way in the back. Like if, if the sweetheart table is next to table one and able to table two, I was like a table 14, but it was like going almost in like in a row. So yeah, I was like but- in the way back. So I couldn't see any faces. There was a lot of backs to me, but see, I would love to have seen it. That sounds like you would have seen a lot of faces because you would have had like a lot of people like turning around, hiding faces yeah, looking. Kind of. I know my, at the time my ex-wife was me at the time and we were kind of like, <laughs> like looking back and forth at each other. Like what did he, what he's going to keep going. He's like, and then in 1989, you banged Barbara. And we were oh like, oh, God. God. And they're back to Stella. And it was it was crazy. It was crazy. That's- it could not have been prepared. Like, I, But this, I, I was like, I was thinking to myself, this speech is not prepared yet. How do you know all these people that he banged? <laughs> yeah. like, how do you get this guy's laundry list of women that he's been with? Like, you're a little bit too close of a best friend. If you know, like, I don't know anybody my best friends have been with. Like, I could vaguely go, oh, yeah, maybe that girl. But, like, I don't remember every single person they've been with. I don't remember people I've been with, let alone who my friends have been with. Dear God. Yeah. Like, this guy. Oh, man. How did we get there? Oh, the vetting venue. Okay. (laughs) So uh, that was was a dark side of a wedding. And now we're going to talk to uh, Evan Husney. Uh, So one thing we should say, I mean, we would have had Evan on no matter what. But one of the reasons that we're having him on right now is because we're going to start dropping second episodes of Not About Wrestling. Yeah. And I, 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 I toyed around with calling them Not About Dark Side of the Ring, but that doesn't make any sense because no. that would not be. So they're going to be about Dark Side of the Ring. They're just like bonus episodes. We're going to watch the episodes and kind of uh, talk about what we see. And um, I don't know, maybe we'll get the jump. You've already seen Pillman. If I watch the first half of Pillman, yeah. But then we still have to wait for the second half. So it really doesn't we gotta, matter. We gotta watch the second half, but still need you to watch the first half. I will. I have until when? Thursday. Thursday. I have until Thursday to watch mm-hmm. it. I'm sure Thursday at seven, I'll be watching it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You'll watch it tonight. You'll put it on as you go to bed. No, then I won't sleep. <laughs> I'm on such a crazy sleep schedule right now that I might. I can't. The wedding, I just. For everyone out there, I just went to a wedding this week. It was on a Thursday. It screwed my, I don't know, up is down, left is right. I can't sleep. I'm up at four in the morning, sleep until 10. Like, I don't know. This is like college, Chris. 
Which is like the opposite of you. Right. All over Very on brand for me, not on brand for you. (laughs) uh, After the wedding reception. So we were, the bar at the hotel was supposed to be open. It was not open and we went back, but people had brought booze with them. So we were literally in a lobby drinking booze that people brought. And so that I, the wedding ended at like 12. I was in the lobby till about 2.30 and I wasn't drinking that much. Like I was basically sipping, but I went back to my room and I laid down and my mind was like, <laughs> you're not going to sleep. And I was like, <laughs> just watching TV and staring at walls until 4.30 in the morning. And then I finally fell asleep and my body woke me up at 6.15, like usual, like, good morning, good morning. <laughs> like, and also what, what is it about hotels? Like you can shut the blinds as far as you want, but there's just this crack that exists that is just going to let the light in. And it's always shining right on your bed. And it's just, what, what is that? Like this one sliver that I thought I got. Yep. No, nope. you can never win against that. No. And I'm like, and then every sound was like keeping me up anyway. So I'm really crazy, crazy, like sleep schedule. So long story short, I probably will watch it probably like at two in the morning. <laughs> yes. And be taking don't text me at two in the morning. I won't. We know you'll be up, but I won't. <laughs> yes. Because you'll be half awake and you'll be like, I got to watch it now. And then you gotta, you'll turn it on. <laughs> so um, here's our talk with uh, Mr. Evan Husney. And we're back and we are here with the creator of Dark Side of the Ring, Mr. Evan Husney. Evan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate Uh, it. Thanks for coming on. I mean, we're super excited. Actually, Steph just watched uh, part one of Brian Pillman. Nice. Um, I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as you can. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely surprised to see it up there. I was kind of searching just YouTube to see what was up there for Dark Side of the Ring and saw they had already posted that yesterday. I'm guessing as just a teaser to try and get people into season three because doesn't that drops on thursday right right yeah we yeah we, we uh last year we did a little sneak peek uh of our of our premiere episode for season two it's kind of the same thing except for this is just the first part so on thursday you're going to get part one and two back to back so oh, okay they are both coming out on thursday yep it's a okay. two-hour show yeah on thursday yep gotcha. oh got it okay. i thought i saw that it was thursday and saturday so that is nope. good to know. Okay, that yeah. makes more sense then. So, yeah. did, did you originally uh, plan for Pillman to be two parts, or was there just so much? Um, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, Pillman, <laughs> as a story, was something that we uh, have considered a lot over the years working on this show. I know, definitely in season two, we definitely tried to make it happen, um, and it was kind of like something we wanted to kind of hold out to be able to get Steve Austin to be a part of, because we felt like, you know, like their careers are kind of, you know, we're so linked, Brian's and Steve's coming up to the business. And I sort of felt like, you know, this is not necessarily a story about Steve, but it is kind of like a little of his origin story a little bit is, is sort of wrapped up into this story about Brian. And um, it didn't quite come together for season two. It didn't quite come together. And then we kind of held it back. And then if there was ever a season three, we were going to do it for sure. Um, because uh, during the time, I think is actually 
couple of years back when we were working on it, I read an amazing biography about uh, Brian Pillman called Crazy Like a Fox by uh, Liam O'Rourke. It's a really great wrestling biography that came out a few years ago. And that just got way... I mean, I was familiar with Brian because I'm a fan, as you can see, but like you know i that really kind of got into really detailed into his personal life and that was just like really eye-opening like wow this is going to be like a sweeping or this is a sweeping dramatic story you know it's not just the in-ring side which is fascinating um and then when we started shooting it uh we didn't anticipate it was going to be a two-hour episode to be honest with you guys and then as soon as we started shooting it and uh the 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 interview subject count just kept getting higher and higher with more family members and more more other people, you know, being a part of the project that it was like, all right, there's just no way possible we can do this in one hour. So we had to actually like uh, in the middle of production, like go back and pitch the network like we need to extend this. And so that's what we did. Yeah. So with that, you mentioned the interview subjects. Is it hard at times to get people to come in for this? Is there anyone that's kind of like hard no, not doing it, or it's a struggle to just get them? It depends who it is. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, wrestlers are so used to being on camera, uh, you know, and if they have no conflicts, you know, that, uh, you know, in terms of telling the story or whatever, they're more than happy to participate. Others, it can be, um, you know, full family members in particular might be, you know, that, that that's just more of a process in that, you know, family members aren't used to being on camera and, and telling these stories on, you know, on, on, on television or, they just, you know, are very sensitive to or how we're going to portray the story or who we are. And there's kind of an education process, you know, um, to where we just try to, you know, introduce ourselves, get them to know, you know, like, you know, sometimes I've flown out to meet family members without, you know, cameras and, um, you know, uh, just so we can create some sort of relationship before we take a journey and to make one of these episodes, which can be quite you know, emotionally difficult at times. Um, and then there's uh, other wrestlers that, you know, do say no and they don't want to be a part of it or they they can't if they're, you know, um, sometimes under contract with WWE. is not something that they're freely allowed to do interviews like this. So, um, yeah, it's, it just depends. You know, there's all different kinds of challenges. It's probably one of the more challenging aspects, actually, of making the show is getting all the right people on board to tell the story. So we noticed that you're doing um, Grizzly Smith's family, which is, you know, Jake Roberts, Robin, um, Rockin', Rockin' Robin, uh, and Sam Houston. We spoke to Sean Oliver a couple months ago, and he told us that he once had Jake lined up to do an entire shoot interview. And basically, Jake got there and found out what it was going to be and was like, hard no, I'm not doing that. And I feel like he's slowly kind of gotten better over the years. So did you find hmm. like anyone that you kind of, thought from the beginning that they were going to be on board. And then once the camera started rolling or the cameras were there, they were like, no, we we're not doing this. Um, well, uh, you know, there are certain stories that I don't think we could have t told, you know, or there, there's the stories we couldn't have, um, tried to tell, you know, in, in, in season one, like if you go back to season one, like we just hadn't built like any credibility or any, um, sort of trust, you know, in this world, I think, slowly or like as the seasons have been unfolding you know people kind of see the way we approach these stories uh these more challenging difficult emotional stories you know where we are coming from a place of you know people are complex and you know there's empathy to have for you know these moments and non-judgmental and obviously we're, we're fans of wrestling so we're not trying to you know bury it you know while we're while we're covering it so i think that 
has helped us along the way to be able to tell those more difficult subjects, um, you know, in terms of building trust in this community, I guess, more or less. Um, and I think that I think the the Smith family episode, the one that we're doing this season, I don't think we probably would have been able to tell like if we started out doing it in season one, just call call up Jake and say, hey, this is where we want to go with the story. I don't think he would have entertained that idea. Um, but uh, it was one I was fascinated in, in in trying to tell for this season. And, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back to a movie from the late 90s called uh, Beyond the Mat. You know, Beyond the Mat is a wrestling documentary that I remember seeing in the theaters and obviously a big influence on everything we do because it really was one of the first <clears throat> glimpses we got as fans of really seeing like, you know, raw, you know, wrestler emotions and stories uh, in a big forum like that. And so... Um, that left a big impression on me because Jake is in that and he does talk about his family, talks about his father, his father's in it. And he talks about uh, just, you know, some of the abuse and he talks about how his sister was kidnapped and all these other just wild, wild stories. And so we, we kind of had the idea of like, well, we'd love to have Jake back on the show because he's just absolutely magnetic on screen. He's such a good interview. He's, he's, he's awesome. And so what we did is we, um, reached out to him and 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 pitched this idea like hey what if we got you and your other siblings together and we told the story and you know um he had to think about it and he had to reach out to his siblings and they're not that close these days um and i was grateful that he did that for us and uh, everybody was on everybody was on uh, on the up and up to do it um but basically you know we had to, to tell a story as difficult as that you know and for those who don't know you know uh, Jake and his siblings come from a very, you know, they have, there's a lot of stories that have been out there in recent years about abuse suffered at the hands of their father and, and there's other family members as well. And it's a very difficult, hard story. But, um, <clears throat> you know, anytime we go and explore a story as dark as that and as challenging as that, um, we do try and find, <clears throat> excuse me, we do try and find purpose in that, you know. We don't want to just take these difficult stories and 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 exploit them for a TV show, um, you know, to to pop a rating. It's not what we're about. So, you know, they really helped guide us. Uh, you know, Jake and his family in terms of wanting to do it. They they were all about, you know, if we do this, we want to do this in order to help other people who have gone through the same things and or who are lost or don't know where to go or you know are suffering from certain things or shame or whatever or addictions. Uh, can we? put this program together um, and sort of have some sort of inspirational message to it. And I was like, absolutely, that that gives us kind of a reason to really look back at these more challenging uh, memories and stories. When you're looking at a season three, I mean, like you said, season one, you kind of had to put yourself on the map. Season two, I'm sure you kind of had a general direction. With season three, did you just kind of go, okay, what are like, let's, let's, just take off all of the governors. Like if we could have any episodes, let's just put it out there. Like what would they be? Or did you kind of like sit down and go, okay, well, these are the 10 we really want. Like how far out did you storyboard and kind of go, this is what we really want. Uh, well, after season two wrapped up and, and vice got in touch with us about, about doing another season, we were, we were, um, I mean, we were just, you know, we were, we was, we're so grateful for that. And, if, but then it was like, you know they were going to saddle us with 14 episodes <laughs> not our choice that's a lot to do especially in a year it's a lot of a lot of filmmaking to do mm. um <clears throat> so we were a little bit like kind of blindsided by that number and had to kind of figure out like how we it was this even achievable you know the, uh, at a number that large so <clears throat> we definitely had some stories like Brian Pillman 
um, and several others that are this season we had kind of already like um, I think we also had um, Collision in Korea pretty well lined up, you know, to do. And, you know, so we had some some we had some stories that we were already like ready to go. But then we really had to, you know, hit the ground running in terms of researching and figuring out what we can achieve on our schedule. Um, and for us, the criteria is just pretty. I mean, it's not like exact, but for the most part, it's just like you know, we want to find the best stories, the you know, the ones that transcend wrestling. Like you know, our show, the way we do our shows, we don't tell biography. You know, like we don't really get into like, you know, here's the. <laughs> this person was born here and then this happened and then this happened. It's all about kind of, a, it goes back to a thesis. And we also just want to really make it an emotional, dramatic ride. You know, we want people to be invested in these characters, even if they aren't fans. It's something we're very sensitive to. So it's just basically like, here's a bunch of story ideas and w- which ones fit those, that criteria and can really, you know, can, can, can really sustain that hour and, and, and be, be an experience, you know, and, and, and those are the ones that kind of make the final cut. And, you know, there's been a lot over the years that, you know, we've wanted to do that don't fit that criteria and, um, it, you know, or we'll just put it off to the side and say, okay, well maybe, maybe somewhere down the road we can figure out and crack a way to tell this story in a way that we haven't quite figured out yet. Now, how many of these are you working on at any given time? Once you like, <laughs> once you found out season three is happening and you're doing that, what? How many? Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just all uh, of them. How? Yeah. That's got to be super dis- difficult because your brain's yeah. in every different space. I mean, it's not. It's not all of them. It's probably like. It's probably like at a given time. Well, it's it's tough to say in in all aspects. It is kind of all of them in some ways because if you really think about it, like. You know, we're we're probably like documentary wise, we're probably on the ground shooting um, anywhere between four and five at a time. And then when that's happening, <clears throat> maybe in the very beginning of the season, we're kind of really focused on like maybe half of them. And then then about a couple months into the process, you're kind of starting to work on all of them because then those four or five are being edited, you know, and then the edit gets to a certain point and then you have to shoot the reenactments for those. And then those start to get finished, and then you're researching the ones for the next time. So it is, it is, it is difficult, and that's why 14 kind of makes you go, "Oh, you know, it's not like, you know, um, yeah." So it's not like you get to do one at a time or anything like that. Would be amazing. I mean, that would be a dream. But no, these are all kind of concurrent. And thank God we have such a killer team. Um, You know, especially this season, we were able to bring on more bodies uh great great talent this season to work with you know someone especially with the with the pandemic which makes it even more hard you know because <laughs> in a lot of different ways it it, <laughs> it made things more challenging obviously we had to be super super safe and have all of the all of the protocols in place and you know safety above anything but uh as far as like you know travel is concerned like we didn't fly anywhere for these interviews we drove everywhere so we actually did multiple round trip uh, trips in, in, you know, driving around an RV, you know, like roughing it, like, you know, in, in KOA campsites and making <laughs> it happen, you know. Um, and then also when we get to set to shoot the reenactments, that's just, you know, again, that's there's a whole new set of protocols in place that, you know, we weren't used to at all in order to do it. But 
the thing that was really important to us was like we had to main we 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 wanted to be as safe as possible. We didn't want anyone in harm's way, a hundred percent. But we also didn't want to sacrifice the quality of the show in any way. Like we didn't want the show to change. We didn't want to do some weird remote interview version of the show, or you know that just we would have just waited or not mm. done it. So I'm I'm really glad that we were able to to figure that out and and to, and to do it still the way that we normally do it. But um, yeah, to answer your question. Um, most most of the time it's all of them like right now like like right now like four episodes are i mean we're still actively working on the show too so um that's you know um so like i think only four episodes are are in, four out of the 14 are actually done oh, right wow. now as we're as we're talking yeah please tell me you've got some type of like dark side of the dark side of the winnebago where you like record <laughs> you guys going from city to city town to town to talk to <clears throat> people we 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 uh, had the I- well we had that idea to do it and then in practice it was just like we there was just we don't have we didn't have we didn't have the strength <laughs> we didn't have the strength like we're tired this is too much just like just like from from you know shooting one day driving ten hours the next day shooting you know and just and yeah just and it was it was just three of us um, on the road so it was a scaled down version of our crew. Um, and it was just like in the beginning, I transitioned out of it because I had to start working on the edits, mm. but it was me and two other guys, like our director of photography and, um, our, um, assistant cameraman, but that's short selling his role in a major way. Um, but you know, yeah, it was just the three of us on the road, you know, put on probably 20,000 miles, you know, <laughs> and that cuts into so much of the time too, having to drive totally. versus hopping on a flight. You got to plan that out. Well, man. Oh, does it ever? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you think the fact that you now have more episodes and more content to produce, do you think that um, in a way kind of benefits you? Because some of the stories, when you have eight episodes, like when you got into some of the stories, you really maybe wanted to go deeper. But now that you have 14, you're like, you know what? I want to go that way, but I really don't have time to go that way. So I just got to stay on this path and stick to this because I have so much other stuff that yeah. I need to get to. I mean, you know, we have really super high standards for the whole show, you know, so <laughs> there are times where we've done or, you know, we've looked at doing episodes out of convenience, you know, I guess if you want to call it that in terms of like, you know, and sometimes it's worked like I remember when we did Road Warriors, like the way that last season that we did it was like, you know, we obviously want to tell a story. We're huge Road Warriors fans, but, you know, <clears throat> it was like, OK, the only way to do this is that we can't we have such a short amount of time to get this thing done that we have to literally bring everybody to one location. So we actually flew all of the people in that episode to Minnesota, you know, where they're all from anyway. So it was kind of thematically great. And then we just brought them all together and, and filmed the episode that way. Um, and, you know, so sometimes you have to do things like that in, 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 a, in a, when, when things like, you know, you're at the maximum crunch, um, you know, when you're at the time where just your 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 schedule has no give anymore and you're just you have to keep going and you can't lose a day or even a few hours. You know? Yeah. I'm trying to remember of the two seasons, like did you ever have any of the topics where things kind of changed in the middle of you recording? Like something happened in real life that changed what like I, like a good example it wasn't your show but i feel like something happened with the rick flair 30 for 30 where they had to like amend the ending because something had happened in his actual real life like he might have gotten sick or something so oh, if you had anything where yeah yeah so if you had anything where yeah. something happened to kind of like even change the story that you're in the middle of 
like anyone pass away or anyone kind of no uh no uh i i don't think so i don't think that that's that that's come up i mean Mm -hmm. obviously sometimes uh well i guess the only time that that's i guess i take that back the one time that that's happened it was in season one when we were doing an episode about gino hernandez and um that was just a real journalistic exercise it's kind of like one one or two episodes a season you know, you kind of walk into a an up. You walk into a story completely in the dark. You know, where you just know like a Wikipedia page worth of information about it, and then you're just and then you know by the end of it, you know you've you you've gone places you never thought you would. And those are the most fun and interesting, engaging ones to to make. Obviously, because for the most part, a lot of these stories have been chronicled a lot, or as fans, you've heard about them. You know, in some capacity, like the Brian Pillman one, for example, is a story that if you read the book or you watch the shoot interviews, you know, you would know the the basics of. But the Gino story, you know, about you know was a you know virtually you know very uh, not known, very obscure wrestler, you know, who died well before. You know, he reached any sort of real national level of fame, but his death was shrouded in all of this, um, you know, mystery and conspiracy. And it, and and for the first time, it's not just the wrestlers that, you know, believed in in that conspiracy. It was his family believed he was murdered. Like he, you know, believed that he didn't OD on on drugs. He actually was murdered. And so that's what all we knew going into it. And then we overturned these stones, and we found. You know, and then it was kind of like at the very last minute we found we were able to like contact some of the guys who had run who were, you know, his drug dealer um, colleagues back in the 80s who one, you know, spoke on the record and one spoke, you know, basically in in an anonymous scrambled voice. But we were able to get some real information to give the family some closure that they've never had. And that was a time where I remember right before we finished the episode, I actually flew back to um the family and you know played them those recordings and got their reactions and and um because you know the ending was completely different you know than we had ever ever would have thought you know so that that has happened actually yeah so it's interesting you bring that up that episode up i had posed uh, a post on facebook just to see if anyone had any questions for you and that was one of the episodes that someone brought up asking um if you were happy with the way the episode uh was done and if it was hard to gather all the information about him and his death. Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy with the episode. I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, like when you watch it and I think that it's a big part of our show is that, you know, we, we don't like to like kind of spell everything out. You know, we don't like to leave you like, we always like to leave viewers kind of at a crossroads if we can, like, we like to show how complicated these things are, you know? And I think for some people, when they watch that episode, they go, Oh no, he was murdered for sure. You know, you can't trust those guys, you know? And then other people say, no, I mean, you know, he obviously OD'd, he wasn't murdered. That's a conspiracy, you know? So I, I kind of like how there's that disparity in that. And I like how people just take different sides with that. I think that's really fun. Um, but for me, it was a really, uh, it was a wild experience. I think it was one of the, the most emotional experiences I had in season one making uh, making the show because when you know uh, the, there was a moment where we were we obtained crime scene photos that had never really seen you know uh, been uh, uh, seen by the family and like to be able to ha- like you know as a wrestling fan you know growing up as just a fan like possessing such a thing that's so heavy that's so significant to this family and um, and all those things and also just yeah 
trying to provide some closure for them. You know, yeah, I mean, it was it was a heavy experience, definitely, than just making a, a wrestling show. You know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so th- that one is one of my more fond personal favorite episodes. I think it was. Uh, I want to say it was in the last month or two. One of the fascinating episodes was the uh, the Bruiser Brody one, and I feel like it was in the last month or two that like Michael Hayes actually put on Twitter. Does anyone else find it crazy that Bruiser Bruiser Brody was murdered and people just literally got away with it? Like that could never happen here. And because he was in Mexico, he or Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico Rico, uh, gets murdered in a locker room. And there's so many shady things going on that people just literally got away with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it, you know, that that's that's the story that that started it all for us. You know, that's what, you know captivated us into wanting to make a show like this in the first place because the main theme you know that we're interested in exploring is this idea when the kayfabe world or the 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 closed off world of wrestling kind of spills out into real life and um there's kind of this this blurred lines aspect between reality and fiction and um and that 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 this the bruiser brody story is kind of the highest uh, stakes version of that because you know, back in the eighties when, you know, in a kayfabe locker room like that, when you have heels and baby faces in two different locker rooms and and they're taking it that seriously. Um, I think there, there was a whole culture of, uh, of that where it's like, you see something like that go down. You don't say anything. It's not my problem. Cause in wrestling, you know, you're your own CEO. You're the CEO of your own, you're, 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 you're a lone ranger. They're like, you know, you don't have allegiance to hardly anybody, you know, especially back in those territory days. And I, I think that that's kind of just shows that culture that like someone could be so callous as to see that happen and to not really say anything or do anything, you know, but Tony Atlas having the heart that he had, you know, he tried, he tried to do what he could, you know, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the skilled attorneys, you know, the uh, the skilled defense attorneys, you know, were, were showing Bruiser Brody and painting him in a light that was, look at this vicious heel wrestler. And then, of course, they got the, you know, self-defense conviction. And, yeah, I I, I think, like, it, it, it is crazy. If that were to happen today, I mean, it would be frontline news everywhere just, just because of the way information travels now. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really covered in the States, really. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. And then the one moment that always sticks out to me, and I'd like to get your opinion because you were there when it happened uh the jimmy snooka interview when for years snooka said it was home it was only him and his girlfriend riding to the city and then in the middle of the interview i believe it was sam fatu who was like no i was in the car with them oh yeah and no one had ever known that information and even the police chief was like no that's not true but he was like no i rode with them all the way to the thing i was there that was one thing that was really that, that was really weird to me because um it's one of those things where, you know, wrestlers aren't necessarily the most reliable witnesses sometimes, (laughs) you know, I mean, there, there is a lot of exaggeration and, and um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of that, you know, Ric Flair says he was there when Bruiser Brody was stabbed and, you know, everybody knows that he wasn't there, you know? (laughs) So like that, that happens where I think wrestlers over time as stories grow and they become, you know, told and passed around. And I mean, Jimmy Snooker thing, and that was 35 years ago plus, you know, mm. and, and, um, you know, it's more than that actually, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, I think, I think there is something where it's like inserting yourself in those memories too. That could be what was happening there, but I'm not really sure. And I do remember before I put that in there that I did go back 
to the transcripts of his interview and made sure that that's what he meant because I didn't want to catch him in like a moment where it's like, gotcha, you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, and, and that's why I remember like in the interview, like, are you sure mm-hmm. you were in that car? Cause if you were in that car, that means there's a lot of, that changes, means a lot of different things. Changes everything. Like I remember watching it and I kind of almost jumped out of my chair. I was like, what did he say? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like you just admitted yeah. you were there and Jimmy Stoka has said for years that it was only the two of them. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, that there's been other things that have come to light, you know, uh, since the airing of that episode, it's actually kind of one of the episodes that, um, is really tough for people like people who are fans of Jimmy Snuka. It's a really tough one. Um, and, uh, it's kind of the one I think we've gotten the most heat for in a lot of ways because, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a complicated one, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but you look at all the information that's, been verified in the documentation and especially the newspaper reports at the time that covered the first domestic violence story it's just you know i mean it's to me that's i don't know pretty convincing pretty convincing you know but people don't want to believe you know so right exactly so um before we wrap it up i'm going to kind of put you on the spot because i know you don't have all the episodes finished yet but I'm going to ask you this question because I feel like you probably have it in your head how they're going to go. You just haven't really edited them together and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the final product. So here's what I'm going to ask you. So it's based on the fact that a good friend of mine who is a huge wrestling fan, his wife is addicted to the show and she knows oh. nothing. She, she knows nothing about wrestling. Those are but my favorite she, people. If I, those are my favorite viewers because those, right. th- those are really the viewers that we're making the show for. Exactly. Yes. I mean, like for people like me, yes, I love wrestling and I know most of the stories and it's still fascinating to me, but you're trying to get the people who are into those real drama stories. Like, like, uh, uh, Steph, what did I call it before we got on here? It's like, uh, the E true Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's the E true Hollywood story for wrestling. So here's my question. If someone out there is really into wrestling and they're trying to hook their significant other into watching this, Mm -hmm. this season, which episode would you say to them, show them this episode and that should hook them? Oh, um, that's a good one. Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I think that the, I think, I think that the Brian Pillman one, because it is such a, uh, it is such a sweeping story. I mean, the second piece, the second half of it is, you know, um, it, 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 it is a story that doesn't just sort of end with, you know, when spoiler alert, you know, when Brian dies, mm-hmm. um, there is a whole, you know, f- you know, familial saga that, you know, plays on even after that, which I think is going to make the most impact uh, this Thursday when, when, when people finally get a chance to see it. But man, there's a lot. There's a lot. It's hard to pick just like one. Um, I'm worried about how the um, non-wrestling fan audiences are going to interpret the episode on the following week, which will be about Nick Gage and the deathmatch wrestling world, um, because that is one of the most (laughs) anxiety-inducing episodes that we've ever made, because I'm not a big deathmatch wrestling fan, and... uh, uh, it's just, it's just, I, I have a hard thing with like, you know, being cut and, you know, and, and with, you know, light tubes and things like that. It's just like, ugh, it makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. But that <laughs> episode is, yeah, that episode is really intense. Right. Super, super. It's so, it's so intense in the way that like there's definitely certain times of the day we're not allowed to show it. It's one of the only episodes that our standards and practices people were like, uh uh-uh. uh, 
when they first saw like the first cut of it because it was like a snuff film basically <laughs> that's what it felt like yeah um so that one i'm worried about for those people <laughs> out mm. there but it is still an amazing story i mean the story is just wild it's you know it's one of the wilder stories we've done um but man you know it's like uh, i think i think the smith family episode is going to be intriguing to a lot of people it's a hard story um it's not an easy one especially if you've gone through anything similar it's going to be tough um but uh i think it's an important one um i'm just sort of thinking about all the things that we have because there's so many to keep them all straight um <laughs> but when you're Dynamite working on that Kid, many at one time <laughs> Totally. Like We're working brain. on all of them. Yeah, they all just kind of bleed together. Uh, no, the uh, Dynamite Kid story, I think, is uh, definitely going to be another one of those that, you know, is going to provoke a lot of conversation afterwards mm-hmm. in terms of a wrestler's legacy. But, you know, undeniable, probably the probably the best wrestler that has ever been in the ring is him. You know, and just looking at that, and 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 just the family story stuff on that is just some of the some of the more rid- uh, riveting uh, stuff that we have. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many. There really is. Like you know, the Johnny Canine Bruiser Bedlam story we have that's coming up in the back half of the of the uh, of the uh, of the third season, which is about a jobber wrestler, just this kind of guy who didn't make much of an impact in the wrestling national landscape, but led this secret life of being the president of a Canadian biker gang and being, you know, he's, he's, you know, implicated in bombing a police station and a double homicide, you know? So there's just, there's wacky stories. There's, there's, there's something for everybody this season. This is definitely the, I think the most, in terms of the types of different stories, the most diverse type of stories that we have, like every episode has its own tone and universe. And I think that's what I'm really excited about for the whole season. I'm so goddamn excited now. Like I was excited before and now like, I'm like, I'm giddy. I'm ready for it. Yeah. So, really? Yeah. So I like, I just saw my face. I was just like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. um, maybe when it's all said and done, you have them all done. We can have you back on and we can talk about which one was actually your favorite. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, you know, like I said, four of them are like done, done. The next four are about to be like done. Mm. Uh, but the back, the back six of uh, the back six episodes are still very much, um, in the editing process and the the puzzle piece, you know, trying to solve the storytelling of it. But I mean, I'm, I mean, all the interviews are, this year have been fantastic. Um, you know, we have a lot of amazing people that we talk to. This is definitely our biggest like star studded, you know, season um, for in terms of big names for in the wrestling world. And um, yeah, it's just I, I am just really excited to see when this when this is all like looking back and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe we made 30 episodes of the show. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm excited. Steph, you're excited. I'm super excited. Absolutely. We can't wait. And uh, Evan, uh, we're super excited for the season. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thanks so much, man. (laughs) 